Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, but I have three very special guests today because we're back to my favorite topic and the hill that I think I will absolutely die on, which is that collaboration is the new competition. Is anybody else sick and tired of me saying that? I hope you are because I hope it's sinking in that there are different ways that you can reach out and get ahead in a way where we all get ahead. So without further ado, with me today is Kristen Luck from Scale House and Brian Peterson from EMI Research and my dear friend Ann Brown from Gazelle Global. So welcome you guys to Ponderings from the Perch. Thanks Priscilla. Hi Priscilla. Hi. So these are like some really great friends of mine so I could grill them but instead I think we'll just have a nice chat but we want to kick off with some really great news. First of all Congratulations, Kristen. This is our new SOMR president. We are super excited. Thank you. I'm excited too. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anne and I, you know, with all of the time we've spent in Wire Exec with you, um, you have a truly a massive fan club that is absolutely well-deserved and we're excited to see where you take us. And also it's very exciting and you know, pointed out that this is our first American uh, president for SOMR. So tell, for people who don't know exactly what SOMR is and what you just became, what I refer to you now as Madam President over. <laughs> so tell everybody what, what you're doing there and then we'll kick off with the podcast. Yeah, so SMR is a global research association that basically protects and defends our right to do research globally, lobbies on data ethics, data privacy, and also provides our industry with global standards for how research is conducted around the world. So uh, it launched 74 years ago, actually as a European research society. I think because of the E and SMR, many people don't realize that it is now a global association, not a European one, but I'm, I'm particularly proud because I'm only the third female president in 74 years and the first non-European president. So it's, uh, I think it's a real testament to the fact that we are truly a global association now. That's awesome. And it's a testament to the fact that we're about ready to get some shit done. <laughs> so. You know, I'm less about discussing and more about doing for solid. That's right. I know this. I know this about you. So I'm excited <laughs> to get rolling. Awesome. Well, I'm going to let all of my, what was that, Ian? It's not just, it's not just Kristen. We also have some other great, you know, our other wire colleagues on the, on the council. I'm so excited. That's Nikki, true. Lisa, Lisa Wielding Brown and Nikki. I mean, like wire is so well represented. I'm just so excited about the whole thing. Well, this is oh my gosh. The, the first council that we've had more women represented for sure. And it's actually the first council where we have truly global representation. I mean, we have council members from Asia, Pacific, Africa, Latin America, the Americas, mm -hmm. Europe. So we've never had that in the 11, almost 12 years that I've been a member. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. And you're right. I was so remiss. We have so many amazing uh, other <laughs> colleagues at Wire. And we also have so many other men who are very busy, always supporting the efforts at Women in Research. And um, so we always appreciate that. So, okay, we're going to get into collaboration as the new competition. And I got to tell you, just starting there with what Ann mentioned with so many of the women from Wire Exec being now on SMR Council, uh, Kristen being the president, this is case in point. When we work together, we get a lot of great stuff done and it helps the industry as a whole. So I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves for what they do day to 
day. And then I'm going to ask a few questions about some of the things that we've been doing together to collaborate. And we hope that this show will actually encourage you to collaborate with other people in the industry. So, Anne, why don't you kick us off and tell us uh, what you do there at Gazelle Global? Um, I, I'm the CEO and um, I just, I'm involved in the day-to-day -day activities, finance, marketing, sales, um, yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> and Gazelle Global is? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're a market research operations hub. Uh, we are a global sample provider, global um, field, uh, data collection, programming and hosting, translations, coding in multiple languages, data processing. So we get it all done. Um, everything except design and analysis. That's our, that's our sweet spot. I, I think it. what differentiates us is really the fact that um, we operate globally um, in all aspects of data collection and um, have been doing it for a lot of years. So we really, you know, we can really help our clients in that area. Mm -hmm. And even with COVID, you know, there's been groups that have gotten smaller significantly, sadly. And so the work, however, has not shrunk. And so I imagine you guys have been trying to keep pace uh, helping some organizations who are, are you know, typically would have uh, handled some of their global data collection in-house, but now need that outside operational help. Is that right? Yes. Um, and, you know, the thing is that some of the global work that we do um, has been, has had to be changed. Um, you know, we operate globally in person very often. And, um, you know, we've had starts and stops um, in the global work over the past year, some places have opened, we've done some work then, closed back up. So, you know, we've switched some, um, some business to, to Katie. Uh, you know, we've just had to pivot. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So, uh, and by the way, if you want to hear more about uh, Anne's story and pivoting, there's another podcast episode I'll be sure to put in the show notes, really highlights her leadership during this time um, where everybody was having to figure out what's next. And also, by the way, what's next is what are we doing in the next two minutes? So um, Ryan Peterson with EMI Research, why don't you tell us uh, uh, what EMI Research is and then we'll get into this with uh, Kristen. Yeah, um, I'm the digital marketing director. I'm the marketing department for EMI. Also, if people listen to Intelcast, I'm also known as Producer Brian. Um, EMI is a online sample and market research consultancy. Um, our, our big selling point is that we are unbiased since we don't have our own panel. We kind of look at the overall sample landscape and help clients find the best blend of panels to get the most representative data that they need for their projects. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I think everybody here knows Kristen Luck. If you've been listening to my podcast at all, then, you know, probably every ever episode you've heard me say either something fun or funny about Kristen, but uh, tell, even though you've had so many other uh, experiences, volunteer and other jobs uh, in market research for many years, why don't you tell everybody what you're doing right now with Scalehouse? Sure. Yeah. So I'm the managing partner and founder of Scalehouse. We're a growth strategy consulting firm. So we work with firms primarily in marketing technology and services, as well as um, we do some wonky work in cannabis and a few other <laughs> a few other categories outside of market research. But uh, we we really work with founders and executive teams to help them scale and grow and ultimately monetize their businesses. Um, and then I also have my investment banking license through Oberon Securities in New York. And so 
once we get done scaling companies, we're usually either acquiring firms to help them grow or we are selling them. Yeah, yeah. very, very exciting times. But usually um, when I start talking with you, I start kind of chewing my nails, just so you know. <laughs> I don't know what's coming next. I think, you know, I think the interesting thing about working in the investment banking community now is as a founder, I've gone myself through three, you know, three sales, three company sales. So I've had three successful exits and it, you know, clearly I understand what it means to work from that side of an acquisition, but it's interesting now to be working on the other side and be able to help founders through that whole process so that they don't have to experience the kind of pain and suffering that I did from having to learn things the hard way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, you know, it's funny, just even uh, uh, this last week, I, I said something, I'd asked you a question um, because we're in the middle of uh, trying to scale my company. And it's just so wonderful to have someone in the know who's on your side on this. And anytime I feel like I need to bite my nails or I'm not sure what to do, it is. It's like bringing that stress, that anxiety down to saying, Kristen knows what we're going to do. Let's, let's have a conversation. It'll be okay. We'll get there together. So yes. I totally appreciate that. So yeah, everyone today, can learn through my painful mistakes. Which yeah. <laughs> You're generous like that, but you do it in a way that makes me feel like, uh, like, uh, not, not that I should have known it, but it's going to be okay. I take some deep breaths. It's good. So today we're going to talk about how we collaborate. These are three people that I brought in because we recently collaborated. Um, I was actually collaborating with Greenbook to uh, host the Insights Marketing Day, which I do each year in, in, um, uh, in partnership with Keenest Mustard across the pond and also Greenbook. And so then I put it out there in our industry, who else could help me? And Kristen stepped up from Scale House to say, hey, I can actually help people understand what's the next step. Um, how do they actually embrace a growth mindset? Brian came with the podcast and said, hey, you know what? We could actually give uh, Insights Marketing Day more amplification with the podcast. Anne came in and said, hey, let me sponsor it. Let's provide some giveaways. Let's make it interesting because I think to Anne's point, she was really tired of going to really boring um, virtual conferences and really wanted to make sure that this was fun. So just right at the beginning, I just want to say these three companies really put their money where their mouth is and they say, let me try and help this, this industry. So, Anne, tell us about your experience and what you were feeling, you know, through COVID and people, you know, bringing uh, 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 these actual conferences online and what was missing? Like, why, why did you realize that we needed to collaborate for something better? Uh, you know, I, I, I think we all have, we have it now, Zoom fatigue, but I think the big mistake was that um, the, the associations just translated these two or three day conferences into this enormous Zoom thing where they expected everybody to just stare at a screen for three days. And it's, not, it's just not possible. It's, it doesn't have the same feeling. It doesn't have the same excitement that you have when you're at a conference, when you're meeting friends, talking to people. So I think what happened on the Insights Marketing Day is that we had smaller bites um, very interesting conversations, a lot of giveaways, a lot of interaction. Um, if we're gonna, if the conferences are gonna be virtual going forward, I, I just think they have to be more creative in terms of um, the presentation. It just can't be like a three-day Zoom saga. You know, it, it, <laughs> this this isn't like streamlining your favorite show when you could just sit there all day. It, it's it's you know it's tedious. So you need to have some. You need to have a lot of things that uh, keep keep you paced. Um, interesting, you know, we had the giveaways, everybody would be, you know, winning something, people would be uh, coming, the, the sessions were shorter. Mm -hmm. I, I think 
I think those things have to be taken into consideration. You know, we just can't sit in front of the Zoom all day. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about a shorter uh, um, actual presentation. Uh, Kristen, I think you should win an award for most amount of great information packed into 25 minutes. You did this. I don't know if you even at this point remember what you did, because I know you're on stages all the time, but you did this really great um, uh, five different um, uh, uh, mindset shifts that need to happen for people to really grasp a, a growth mindset. And you just like shoved that into, into 25 minutes and it was very quick paced, but it also was very inviting. So, you know, you speak in this industry all a lot. You're very generous with your time, with your expertise. So why did you pick that subject? What did you think that that had in value to the market research world at that particular time? I mean, I think one of the one of the challenges, and to Anne's point, I, you know, I think a lot of associations and conferences just tried to replicate an offline environment and pop it online, and I think they also tried to replicate a lot of the same content themes. And I think in a year like 2020, where there was a significant amount of business disruption, what was lacking, I felt, from a lot of events was actual practical business advice, which is what people were looking for. You know, for anybody that was in a sales role, hey, guess what? You're going to find it really hard to sell new products and services right now because people are very adverse to change and that many companies didn't have any money. Uh, you know, for founders and CEOs of small businesses, what are opportunities to change your tech stack or to adopt new business practices or to partner with? You know, I think a lot of that practical advice was, was missing and that a lot of conferences were just on this autopilot of, oh, we're going to, you know, like have another conversation on how to create segmentation models. Like nobody cares about that when their business is, you know, is down 35% year over year, you know? And so I think for me, I always try to be cognizant of like, Hey, what can I, what can I tell people that a is, is pertinent to what's going on in the world and their business right now and B packs in the most amount of information in the shortest period of time. And I'm, grateful that I went to journalism school. And so storytelling is a big piece, I think, of what I, I do, not just in my business, but in terms of how I communicate. And I think being being more succinct to Anne's point, nobody wants to watch a 45-minute presentation. They want to watch a 10 or 15-minute presentation that's loaded with practical takeaways, and then they can go back offline and get on with their day. Yeah, yeah. Well, practical takeaways was was really the point. And and I'm very much in a growth mindset. And so I felt like not only was somebody able to really take kind of a first step, but I felt like, you know, I'm I'm in like third step of growth mindset, but I still got a lot out of it. And I think that's an interesting thing also when you're trying to give to a larger group is understanding people are at a different, you know, a different place. And is this going to really play well to a broad audience? For sure. I think, I think too, a lot of what I see missing from presentations, and these could be research or business presentations, is that what a lot of folks don't understand is that the hardest part of change is the behavioral part. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk about new technologies and new services and new ways of doing things until we're blue in the face. But the truth of the matter is that it also requires a significant amount of trust and behavioral change for people to make that leap. Um, and that's something I learned the hard way, you know, trying to pivot from services to software when we were, you know, trying to build out our platform at Decipher. And I think the behavioral change can't, you know, can't be underestimated at all. And so mm-hmm. trying to get people comfortable and make small steps uh, toward change, I think, is, is pretty paramount. 
Yeah, I love that. Well, Brian, tell us a little bit about why EMI partnered, um, you know, for the podcast, because you do have your own audience out here in market research world. You're great about having a lot of different guests on. You guys kind of catch us up a little bit sometimes on some news segments that you have to. There's a lot of sports analogies going on on the EMI podcast on the IntelliCast. We've, <laughs> tried, the to, <laughs> we've tried to par down the sports a little bit. We, we know that it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I, they're just lost on me. That's all. Well, honestly, we thought it was a great opportunity just because it is part, part of it is giving back to that industry. So knowing when you're coming in, like, Hey, yes, for us, selfishly, it's expanding to an audience who may not know us and gaining those additional listeners, but it's also giving back to say, Hey, we want to provide the funds to help with this, but also give that platform for people to talk mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And you guys collaborate day in and day out on the podcast because you have other guests on and, and, and you're looking for opportunities to, to amplify what EMI does in the market, but it also is good for the just the industry as a whole. So I guess my question for you for the podcast is, you know, are there new opportunities you're looking for, for collaboration or what's, you know, what's on the, on the horizon coming up either for the podcast or for EMI, you know, directly in terms of, you know, partnership or collaboration? Yeah. So actually I have a couple for both. So on the podcast side, we are actually in the process of moving over to C-Suite Radio. Uh, you connected us with Jeffrey Gazlett there. Yep. <laughs> so we're getting that down in the process. I have, we're like halfway done at this point, but that's, we see that as an opportunity for our clients so we can get them on the podcast to then speak to their clients. And we can kind of see it as us helping build that relationship in middleman. Got it. Um, and then on the EMI side, we've had a few. So we've, we uh, partnered with Sample Chain last year. We're expanding that partnership and collaboration. We did a webinar talking about how we kind of work together for data quality. We had another one last year as well, kind of near the start of the pandemic with John Zogby Strategies. They're more of a polling firm, public opinion, and they started a, a report called the Intelligence Seer, where it kind of, it does a study about every month or so, but it has a variety of different topics and it looked at it from both the polling aspect of it, but also how everything else was interconnected in that. And that led to a big push as well, because that's helped us solidify that relationship as well. Mm, I, I love that. That's interesting because I haven't seen something else like that either out in the industry. So it's fun to see <laughs> someone doing something different. And speaking of something different and another collaborator, we're all very connected with Jamie Brazil. And actually he and uh, Janet Standen uh, were working this year. Um, and there's been a lot of people around it. Julie Kurt's been helping a lot, but with MRX pros and they were having a lunch. And the reason I bring that up is, Anne, on your team, Belinda, um, was actually a speaker at one of the MRX pros in collaborating, bringing some uh, some really great insights about diversity in the market research space. So tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, why Gazelle Global, you know, partners and, and supports doing these kinds of things that are involved in giving back to the industry. Yeah. So, you know, we, we were, I was very excited that Belinda did, um, you know, our family, you know, our family is, um, a very interesting one. And, um, you know, she just took it to the next level and just put it out there and talked about, um, you know, diversity and inclusion. And um, I, I was really, I was really proud and excited to see that she, uh, you know, took that move uh, really on her own. Julie actually 
you know, was her inspiration. Um, and, you know, she just, I thought she did a great job, um, you know, just, just talking, just putting it out there to, to because I think, I, I just think that while diversity and inclusion, you know, the buzzwords of today, um, you know, yes, we're seeing some more women on, um, on boards and yes, we're seeing, um, but we still, you know, when you still get to the top, we're still looking at, you know, the Fortune 500 was just having such a small group of women uh, running the running the companies that um, it, I just think there's, you know, we have a long way to go. And so I was I was really excited about that. But, you know, we also did that uh, collaboration, um, the Mind the Gap series that we did on Wire with Denine and Jessica. And I, I just thought that, you know, and the date we made the data available to anyone who wanted it. Uh, we, we did three studies um, and had lots and lots of data about uh, COVID. And, you know, we actually put out there that, um, the, you know, how uh, the diverse communities, Hispanic and African-American were, were much harder hit by COVID very early on from our data because we oversampled, uh, we heavily oversampled the um, diverse populations. And we just had a really good read on what was going on very early on. And, you know, it was a great collaboration. It was really fun to then uh, talk, you know, why it was so gracious to allow us to do the webinars together. And uh, yeah, it was a really wonderful experience, so. So I wanna break that one down just a little bit because we all know that Women in Research as an organization is near and dear our heart, which by the way, every time I mention it, I have to say it's free to join. I don't know why you're not a member. So we, I always have to say that, but and let's break that down a little bit because a lot of people do have something to offer and they probably, uh, the, the Mind the Gap series was amazing and it's available on womeninresearch.org. Um, but some people are kind of curious, but how did you get that to happen? Like, who did you talk to? How did it get started? Did someone ask you, did you go pester someone? Like, just pull the curtain back for a minute and explain how people can make something like this happen. Well, I, I mean, it's similar to what Brian just said. You know, we... we um, Jessica and I, and, you know, Jessica's a client and, you know, we're also friends and, and Deneen is also a friend. Um, she, she's, Deneen is heavily, works heavily in the qualitative space, but, um, you know, sometimes she does a little bit of quant and uh, we sometimes work together and it, it just seemed like the right thing. Jessica and Deneen work together also. So the three of us just decided to pool our resources, um, split up the costs and just take a look at what was going on. And, and, you know, I think one, if you, you ha everybody has to give something, you know, everybody has to contribute. Um, and I think that was the thing, you know, it was a time where, where everybody needed to uh, just give a little back to the industry to, you know, talk about what was happening. Um, you know, I know, I know there were a lot of studies uh, going on at the time, but, you know, we tried to bring in really interesting guests. Deneen was uh, great in bringing people in uh, to help us with the, with the webinar. Um, I, it was just a very exciting experience, I thought. I really enjoyed it. Well, I like what you say there, Anne, that everybody has to give a little bit. And Chris, and that brings to mind, um, Patrick Koshowski, actually during the COVID, uh, the COVID experience, he started crisis communications and you really gave a lot of your time to a lot of companies. The whole idea was to say, hey, where's your expertise and who needs help? And he was trying to bring people together. And so you were really key in helping a lot of companies get that hour of free advice when they were in the middle of freaking out. So you, you of all people really in that moment were leading with giving. So tell me about what, how, how important that piece is in terms of collaborating, like just the being willing to get out there. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, once you get to a certain stage in your career, and I've been really lucky to have had the career that I've had that you that, you know, you have a responsibility to give back. And I think to my point earlier, when the pandemic hit, what I thought was lacking in the industry was anyone really stepping up to help people with actual practical business advice, because the truth of the matter is that for a lot of these founders and small businesses, they were seeing 80 to 90% of their business disappear overnight. And so when you get in that situation, you know, it's kind of like this deer in the headlights moment where you're like, I have no idea what to do next. Um, and, you know, what I always tell people when they're stuck in those types of situations is that, you know, um, action brings relief. So even if you don't know exactly what the right move is to make, just doing anything will help, help you, you know, gain positive traction in terms of moving forward. And so when Patrick reached out to me, I was like, yeah, I'm happy to do free consulting for firms. And, um, you know, I don't do it with the explicit, you know, belief that it's going to come back to me in, in some form of business. Um, but it has probably tenfold to what, you know, I actually ended up donating time, time to do, but I'm always, you know, I think I'm always happy to have it, have a chat with folks. And I think the one mistake that people make in many of the situations is they don't ask for help, but there's like, there's almost a shamefulness in asking for help or saying, you don't know all the answers. And, you know, I had some, some calls with people that were like, you know, I truly, I didn't know what the right answer was for their business. I, you know, I had to be really right with that, that I, there probably wasn't anything I was going to be able to tell them in an hour that was going to change things. But if I talked to them for an hour and went away and, you know, woke up at five in the morning and wrote something down in my notebook, then I might have something meaningful to, you know, to advise them on a day or two later. But I, I think just even having those conversations and being able to talk to somebody that has been through the trenches before, is helpful. I mean, my business survived the dot-com crash of like 2000. Then I went through, you know, one of the worst economic recessions in the U S in 2007 to 2009. And now the COVID pandemic, like I, you know, if there's one thing I'm good at, it is powering through tough situations. And so if I can help people at least, you know, provide some comfort and direction during that time, I think that to me is super rewarding. Oh, I, I love that. And also that kind of shows another side of collaboration. You know, there's some collaboration where you just give, you know, so you came and just gave, let me speak at insights marketing day. Let me, let me try and help people figure out what's next for them. You know, obviously EMI, they, you know, they coughed up and became the podcast sponsor. So they actually gave in order to collaborate, you know, but right now you're actually collaborating with Jamin um, for a for-profit, you know, piece for a part of your business. And so I don't want to always put it out there. You know, a collaboration is not always volunteerism. Some of the things that, you know, Anne did, that was amazing. That was on their dime and they helped push diversity and understanding within our, within our industry. But tell us about that side of collaboration now where you're actually working together with Jamin once again, <laughs> but doing an actual piece of business together. So how, how do you, how do you decide when that's a, a good thing to do collaborative work. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, Jamin is like my brother at this point, you know, we've worked together for so long. Um, I, I think that for, for me, what's really important about collaboration is that I, I trust the intent and the work ethic of the people that I'm collaborating with and that they have the, the same intent and the same work ethic. There's like this really funny meme that I've used before in talks, but it's like, it says like, um, when I die, I want the, the, 
the people that I did group projects with to lower me into my grave so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> um, and that. <laughs> oh my God. I did not see that. Collaborations, like, Oh my God. Like, I cannot even tell you, like I I'm, you know, to Anne's point, you know, she picked people for her, you know, for the research that she wanted to do that also wanted to pitch in and do the same amount of work and were committed and had the same kind of ethos and work ethic. And I think that's that's important in, in choosing a collaborator. And also I think collaborate, collaborating with folks that have kind of like your similar brand personality also is important. You know, like I look at some of the collaborations on events that like Vox Pop Me and Zappy have had, like they have very similar brand personalities. They have the same approach to how they work with customers. They kind of have the same ethos and like that collaboration makes a lot of sense for them. Um, you know, likewise, like, uh, you know, Jamin's got his own business. I've got my own business, but we also really love this coaching aspect and you know I've run consortiums in the past and so to to run something jointly with him only because I you know also because I have limited bandwidth with all the other things I have going on you know it just was a, it was a good opportunity but I do I do think kind of like outlining what makes a good partner to you and you know we do this at wire all the time too you know we partner with SMR we partner with insights association we partner with TMRE so you know, those are all important partnerships with us, but we're also very, very much aligned on what that partnership looks like and how we're each going to hold up our end of the bargain. Yeah. Okay. I, I love that. So for example, you know, uh, Brian, when you, you guys just absolutely popped up first and say, yeah, we'll help you. We'll sponsor Insights Marketing Day because yep. we get along. We, that's right. We work together. We like each other. So why not work with the people that you like? And I will say this even to even further to EMI uh, 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 Solutions credit is that also, they were the podcast sponsor, but then they actually hosted other podcast hosts to be together talking on a panel, furthering collaboration. So you guys made that happen. And I don't know if you know this, Brian, but a funny thing happened during that panel. Um, Z Johnson and Adam Jolly, who both have their own separate MR podcast, yep. they had the question at the very end of the panel, you know, if you could start a different podcast, what would you start? And they both wanted to do one on mental health. And I've they are yeah. now, they're on the 12th episode from that collaboration. Yeah. So we have someone talking about a really great topic, you know, within the business world, because it all started from collaboration. So I, you know, I, did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. It's so, so cool. It's so cool. And I think when I, well, when I what, what's that, Kristen? What, spoiler alert. I think I'm their first guest. That's oh, that is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't mentioned it's Breath of Air. So you got to go check yeah. it out. It's, it's really great. So we've got telecast, then you got to go check out Breath of yeah. Air. And then Z, she has MR Explorer. So MR X-P-L-O-R-E-R. And then Adam Jolly, along with Adam Dietrich, um, have the, the ride. So those are really great podcasts to do. But Brian, that's like really starts from that generosity. And I like Kristen's yeah. point is that you work together with people that you like to work with, right? Exactly. It, yeah. make, it makes it more, not only beneficial for everybody, but it makes it easier as you're doing stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, 
why work with someone you don't like or can't get along with? Right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, for your very generous time of coming on this podcast and, and having people explain, um, you know, what is going on really in collaboration, I'd love to end with giving you a little bit of a chance to say what's going on at Gazelle Global, what's going on at EMI, what's going on at Scalehouse, who's your, per- your most ideal client. But also, could you give one piece of advice to someone about what they could do to collaborate in this industry, what either a mindset thought or even a tangible thing to do. Who, who wants to kick us off? Anyone? Okay, Brian, I'm gonna pick on you then. <laughs> you can is, go for it. So that is fine. Tell us what's going on over at EMI and then give, give our audience one piece of advice. So we actually just launched our third edition of our report on the sample industry called the Sample Landscape. We launched it about three, four weeks ago. And it takes a look, it's based on our, it's based on our research on research we ran all through last year. And we talk about kind of what's going on in the sample industry. We're showing how panels change over time, how they're different from one another, how the pandemic and things like that have impacted. We have a new section around data quality and a variety of different measures on how that impacts data quality, like demographics or design. So that is our big thing right now. We have that launched. Um, it has been a big hit. I will send you the link, Priscilla, to put it in yeah, the show notes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm all for it. Okay, give yeah. us a piece of advice. What should people do to get started collaborating? Don't be afraid to just reach out and ask. Because mm. I think that's the first step. If you're, You might think of great ideas all the time. The first step is just reaching out to that person or group you want to collaborate with and said, hey, what, do you, what about this? Do you think we can work together? Mm. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be surprised how many people right. are, are pretty interested in it. And to that point, I think, Brian, a lot of times people think that that certain people are unapproachable. And I find it's quite the opposite. I find that when I ask somebody on LinkedIn about something, they'll, be, they'll very quickly answer me and then they'll scoop me back over into their actual email and we'll start a conversation there. It's not as hard as everybody makes it out to be. So, right. um, and how about you? What's going on at Gazelle Global? What, what kind of work is just, right up your alley that, that you would love to have right now, and then give some people a, a piece of advice. Well, you know, for me, I, I can't wait for the world to be open again, because, mm-hmm. you know, my, I'm a, I'm a wanderlust, and my, uh, my favorite part of the business is working internationally on the ground, you know, with all the crazies that happen, you know, all the crazy things that happen all over the world. I still want to do that, do more of that. I, I still love it. Um, and we're not doing it right now, just a little bit here and there. Um, but so I, I can't wait for that to come back. But we're actually working on some very interesting um, uh, visual visualization. What a crazy word! Visualization uh, that we'll probably be introducing to our customers um, in the very near future, and we're excited about that. Um, and, and another exciting thing um, at Gazelle is that uh, B is on the um, New York IA board. And um, today is, is Monday. They have a meeting on Monday where people are just invited to um, tune in and just vent, chat, or whatever. I think, it, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, where people are with wellness, with the need to communicate, the need to have somebody to um, talk to, to just be in a safe space. Um, it's one of those things, you know, whatever happens in the Monday chat stays in the Monday chat and, um, you know, people have an opportunity to just talk to their colleagues and their peers and 
um, you know, I'm excited for her that she's um, involved in that. I think it's a really good thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're totally virtual now. We moved out of New York City. Um, that was a wild ride. Um, you know, we, we left on, we, we, you know, Harriet and I, we had two office spaces that we were moving into. We, our lease was up. So we had two spaces that we had chosen. She, of course, she liked one and I liked the other, you know, it's always that way with us. And, um, you know, so we said, okay, you know, we'll just go home for a few days. You know, the New York's closed. We'll just be home for a couple, few days, maybe a week. And when we come back, we'll decide where we're going to move. We never went back. Um, it was just wild. Um, yeah. And we were so lucky, so fortunate that our lease was up. Um, and, you know, that, that's been a whole transition for us because, you know, the, the mindset of work from home is very different. You know, when you really have, when you've had an office for 27 years, um, you know, all of a sudden becoming totally virtual was a really, a really big change for us. And I'm, I'm proud of our organization, the things that we've done, how everybody's just, you know, pulled together, pitched in uh, the way that it's, it's just, we've just made it work and it's been wonderful. So, yeah. I love that. And you, you brought that up. So a great way to collaborate is like, right. What's in your backyard insights association, your local chapter. It's super yeah. easy to get something started. It doesn't mean you have to actually start it yourself. It means yeah. go collaborate with people who are already meeting. So, all right, Kristen, you're up, but I, I would like to underscore what you said, because I really think your point was amazing. So you have to come up with another one, but this idea of find people to collaborate who have your work ethic, your ethos, and probably similar brand. And I think that is super, super strong and gets overlooked. People, when they collaborate, that doesn't mean someone else is going to do all the work. It means get get ready for the heavy lifting because it should make the word work lighter, but both people have to be working at it. I absolutely love that. A hundred percent. And, you know, one of the things I really encourage people to do too, that when they go into, you know, collaborative agreements with people is that you really outline what the what the terms of engagement are in writing um and anytime i hear someone reluctant to do that i immediately back away from it mm. immediately yeah. um you know if, if and, and particularly if there's financial elements at play there mm -hmm. you always want to get that documented legally and and i've heard a couple situations where people are like well we don't really put anything in writing well, yeah, if you're spending money on co-marketing or you're doing a revenue share, all of that should be documented legally. And you'd be surprised at the number of deals that get done in this industry where that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, one of the one of the strategies that I've seen really come to light this last year, which I think a lot of people were opposed to in previous years, was this idea of co-opetition, mm -hmm. which is actually collaborating with competitors. And this I saw a lot of this actually happening more so on the qualitative side of the business, which as you know, got hit particularly hard this last year, yeah. but banding together to understand like, what are the best technologies to use? How, you know, what are resources or things that, you know, government resources that you might have that can, that can aid you. I know folks like Kim Harrison, for instance, who runs focus forward, spent an incredible amount of time coaching other other entrepreneurs on like, hey, here's where you can apply for this grant or for this funding, or here's a technology that you can use. It was incredibly generous with her time. Mm -hmm. um, and in many cases was, was talking to people that are competitive to her business. And so um, I think there's some great examples out, out there in the industry of what you can actually do to boost both businesses. You know, there's, there's the saying, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think there's plenty of business to go around. Like for me, I've never 
you know, of course, I always keep an eye on competition, but I, I never let it rule what what I do or the decisions that I make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, along with that with Kim Harrison, we'll just give a shout out also to Sarah Coppa over at Fieldwork, who also is a big supporter. I mean, here's the collaboration. Big supporter, Fieldwork has been for years of WIRE, right? And then sure enough, they pop up and together with Kim Harrison, Sarah Coppa, Erin O'Donnell and the Fieldwork team, they come around and help all of their competitors and come up with a great campaign, you know, to really promote face-to-face market research and trying to figure out when can it come back and how can we help each other when it does and what can we do at our facility? So I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think you and I luckily, you know, sit at a vantage point where we get to see a lot of those collabs happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, unfortunately I can't, I can't sit around and much promote the work that I do because most of what I do is under the radar and the companies that I'm working with, I'm not allowed to discuss, but it is exciting, you know, when I can contribute to something that is that is a little more visible in the, in the industry. And of course I get to do that through SMR and also through wire. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You are so generous with all of your expertise and I know specifics of what you're doing a lot of times are not out in the open, but who is ideal for scale house. So right now where people are in, there's a huge market for acquisition, for mergers, for uh, it's, it's crazy right now. So your perspective, what, what kind of calls are you fielding and, and who would be ideal for you right now? Yeah, I'm fielding a lot of different types of calls right now. Certainly, I work a lot with private equity firms to make acquisitions. So we're, you know, my business partner, Mike and I, who's, he's also a licensed investment banker, um, you know, we're doing quite a bit of M&A work and talking with companies that I think a year ago wanted to go out to market, but then COVID hit and they were like, eh, I don't know if I can get the valuation I want. So we're doing a lot of those types of calls. Certainly still working on turnarounds. I think there's still some firms that are in still in recovery from from 2020 and will continue to be through this year. And then I'm working on um, an incredible number of U.S. market entry projects. So one of the, you know, sort of one of my specialties and things that I love doing the most is bringing overseas firms into the U.S. for the first time. You know, the U.S. is a very large market to navigate. Um, it's an expensive market to enter, and if you make a misstep, it can be super detrimental for the for the parent company. And so, being able to help guide and navigate uh, companies through that process super, mm. super rewarding for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that! I love that. Well, I want to give everybody just as we close, just uh, FYI. On Gazelle Global, on that website, they have an amazing resource. Uh, it is free and it for people in the market research industry. It's a great guide and a great checklist. Go check out uh, gazelleglobal.com. And you can find Ann Brown and it's A-N-N-E Brown. Um, and you, you'll have to find it with Gazelle Global. I know there's a lot of Ann Browns out there, but make sure that you connect with her. Brian Peterson over at EMI. You need to listen to the IntelliCast. That is the EMI company podcast and um it's the brian's so there's two so this one's the producer brian but yep. you really enjoy the show and scale house I, I i'm a little bit privy to some info that you have uh the highest email open rate and the most read blog in this industry so if you want some serious information and also to be entertained a little bit because let me tell you the titles of some of these blogs will kind of make you cry laugh a little bit <laughs> but the scale house blog is a thing of beauty and you do have your, you know, your team of experts really submit and, and, and help with that so that you get a wide range of subjects talked about, you know, very at a very high level. And, and I really love how approachable it is, even for as, as, um, as high level as the discussions are, you guys do a great job with that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to write. 
<laughs> well, from all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, we want you to collaborate, obviously. Reach out to all of our guests. Have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.